when you become more of a business person, it provides you license to actually take a position, which is really what the executives expect lawyers to be able to do. It's like, don't just tell me the law and let me be more confused. Tell me what you think. Where do you want to go? What would you do if the call were yours right now, knowing all of these things? Welcome to Modern Business Operations, where we talk with leaders about how ops is adapting to our modern world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Modern Business Operations. I'm here with Tim Perella, the Chief Legal Officer at LinkSquares and former General Counsel at DraftKings. Tim, welcome. Thank you for being here. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about your background and your current role? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Seth. Looking forward to the conversation. My current role, Chief Legal Officer at LangSquares, oversee obviously the legal function, but I also oversee the way I like to describe it, everything that nobody else wanted to do when I joined. So I oversee HR operations and IT as well. So when I first joined LangSquares, coming from DraftKings, provided me the opportunity to do a little bit more than just do the legal work. And, you know, when I was early on at DraftKings, some of the favorite things that I was doing is working with others throughout the organization to help build some of these support functions and particularly ones that were specific to the fantasy sports, the paid fantasy sports industry that kind of blended a little bit of this, like, we need this from an operational rigor perspective, but at the same time, we also need to make sure that we're aware of some of the regulatory constraints around our business. And so I really enjoyed that. And so when I had the opportunity to come over to Lang Squares, the CEO of Vishal, he said, listen, you absolutely can have a broader purview than just the legal function. And we've got a lot of stuff that needs to be built. I joined, there were about 70 people and the overwhelming majority of those people were split between product and engineering and the revenue org. And basically everybody else was kind of like the finance team was doing HR and all of that sort of stuff. Our CEO and CTO were effectively the IT team. So, you know, there's a lot that was going on there, but that was really what was exciting for me was coming over and being able to do a little bit more than just the legal stuff. That sounds like a very full plate. (laughs) (laughs) It's good. It's good. I've, I've got good leaders there that know a lot more than I do about their respective disciplines. So it makes it easy. So legal is a field that is notoriously slow to change, right? So how do you begin to advocate for innovation within your organization from that perspective, or even within your legal team? That's a good question. I think, as you say, there's two different audiences there. I think typically when you think about legal embracing innovative approaches to performing work for the organization, you have to assume that there's going to be some level of investment associated with that. And so when you look at any organization that maybe is a little strapped for resources, there's the need to be able to justify what the spend is going to be to help, like usually an investment in technology of some sort in order to help spur or or be a catalyst for that innovation. I think it's really important to recognize and be able to communicate a desired end state. And what I mean by that is I think that modern GCs are expected to be more than just lawyers, right? Modern legal leaders are expected to be more than just lawyers. And a big part of that is being able to operate in a similar way that other business units across the organization operate. And a very big part of that is being able to bring data to the table 
to be able to show the contribution that you as an organization or, or your legal org is making to the business. And so if you're able to paint the picture of this investment in the software where it will allow us to be more data-driven and really quantify the work that the legal team putting into the business to help to move the business forward, that can be a really, and also provide additional visibility to the business stakeholders who are requesting that the work be done. That can be a really compelling way to get people to understand why it's so essential to actually invest in this technology and really try to innovate. And when you do that effectively and actually embrace being data-driven as a legal team, things like identifying or justifying your new hires, for example, hey, we need another head, right? We need another lawyer. Well, why? What can you show me? Well, we're really busy, right? That just doesn't really cut it for most other business units unless and until that business unit starts to fail. And at that point, once the business unit starts to fail, it really is on the leadership of the legal team. Like, that's your failure. Like, you didn't do your job. If you can't justify a hire and you need a hire, you're not doing your job, right? And so I'll take it even a step further. Think for lawyers, and maybe this gets into the second challenge, which would be getting your legal team to adopt new technology and change process and be willing to do things a little bit differently. Is that today's general counsel, chief legal leaders generally, like if you are not using data to drive decisions, if you are not having quantifiable data to show the impact that your team is making on the organization, you are just full stop not doing your job. Or if you are, you're not doing your job well. Like you should consider yourself a failure if you're not doing these things, right? I know that sounds a little extreme and a little bit harsh, and maybe it is, but imagine walking into an exec meeting and you're the head of sales and you don't come in with data. Or imagine you are the chief marketing officer and you don't come in and have quantitative data showing the performance of your marketing campaigns and your marketing investment. Like it's just full stop unacceptable. But somehow a very high cost center like legal, I mean, even finance, right? Finance comes in, they absolutely will justify their existence. IT does it a hundred percent, right? Everybody else in the organization does it. Why should legal be any different, right? Especially at such a large investment. Usually lawyers are pretty expensive on a per headcount basis relative to others throughout the organization. And why should you be able to get away with not bringing data to the conversation? You shouldn't. I think executives today are expecting more from their legal team and they absolutely should. And that more comes in the form of data. And I think it also comes in the form of organization, right? The idea of your legal team being allowed to conduct itself in a way that appears to the rest of the business is being chaotic. I also think is unacceptable. You should be busy, but you should be controlled, right? And measured in a way that like, if your organization appears chaotic, it probably is because it is. And that probably means that you're missing things, right? And so when you talk about innovation, generally, I think you sell that calm, cool, collected, efficient, legal, or 
you sell that data-driven decision-making and quantifying the impact that the team is making. And then for the lawyers that are part of the team, these lawyers just have to accept that it's part of the job, right? It's the functional equivalent of, let's say you're a Salesforce shop, right? And you have a couple of new salespeople who come in and they look at the manager on the first day and they're like, listen, I'm not a big Salesforce person. And so I'll just update it like once a month and we'll just go that way. That doesn't work there. And why should that work in legal? Like you, most people who are practicing today are of the generation that grew up with technology. I mean, yeah, some of your 30, 40, 50 year practicing lawyers, but those folks are starting to retire on giant piles of money. Good for them, right? But I think as we get farther and farther along, we are a technology generation. And as I say, today and tomorrow's legal leaders are absolutely literate in technology. They should be able to learn and use software and accept that while maybe that introduces a, a little bit of a pain point into their process, the results that you get are necessary to have. And so you, you endure a little bit of that discomfort so that you do get those results. Well, and that's a clarifying question about data when we're talking about data. So I'm inferring, I think, that one of the things you're saying when you say you have the data, it's not just a printed out spreadsheet with some numbers on it and some names, right? This is a different type of data. These are measurable KPIs, right, that everyone's bringing to the board, essentially, right, or to the C-suite. Can you talk a little bit about what you really mean by data, and especially compared to maybe what that may have meant to legal teams 30 years ago versus today? Absolutely. So... I think that, you know, maybe 30 years ago, and even a lot of teams that are in a lot of companies that are putting technology out right now, they talk about matter management, but you think in a law firm, like the data that you're using is how much time did you spend on that particular matter for that particular client? And law firms get really good at tracking that. And a law firm lawyers have to learn how to use that software, so on and so forth, because that's how the law firm makes money, right? Now you look at that matter management system for an in-house environment, and it looks relatively similar in many ways. And sure, that can produce data. How long did this lawyer take on this task or that task? But what I think you're really looking at is data that you can put into context. And let me give you an example. So let's say the CEO comes to the legal leadership and says, legal leadership, I want to start selling our product, right? Some durable good into this particular jurisdiction that we're not currently in. Okay. So a lot of things go into that. Obviously, there's some stuff on the marketing side, operations, et cetera, et cetera. But from a legal perspective, you've got to go actually see if there are any regulatory issues with you entering the market, see if you need to have a physical footprint in the market, for example, any manufacturing capabilities, durable goods. You're going to want to understand products liability. You're going to want to understand like a whole host of different things. You're probably going to be talking to, you know, let's say you actually need to hire employees there. You have to go and set that up. Look at all of this stuff. Okay. And if I came to the CEO and said, hey, it took the legal team like 98 hours to do that. The CEO is like, okay, that like, it's not really helpful, right? A contextless number of hours, right? Exactly. But what's really important is we're not looking for data to measure the efficiency of the lawyer, right? Like you would a law firm because that's how you're getting paid, right? What you're looking at is 
data that will help you make decisions or help you provide better insights. So for example, I would know that from the second the CEO told me, I want to enter this market to having all of my ducks in a row, everything lined up, all the infrastructure that needed to be put in place took six weeks. Now I can look at my CEO and I can be like, this is actionable for you. It takes approximately six weeks from the time you say go to the time we sell our first product. That's meaningful data, right? And it's just a very, very simple way to think about it. But you can get these insights by tracking the work that's being done in a meaningful way. Now, you think about it in the context of your contracts, and it is also a very compelling thing to literally just come in with data that says the legal team reviewed 200 contracts in the last month, and that turnaround time for those contracts was 0.6 days or 0.8 days. And out of the ones that closed, which was only about 150 that accounted for X million dollars in revenue, that tells you a couple of things. This episode is brought to you by Tonkeen. Tonkeen's process experience platform seamlessly wraps around existing policies and systems, allowing internal service teams to do more with what they already have. Build process experiences that are personalized for each requester and use AI to automate the intake, triage, and resolution of every request. Maximize adoption, compliance, and efficiency with no change management and no code. Number one, that tells you what legal is doing for your sales cycle, right? How much of your sales cycle is chewed up by contracts going back and forth, right? Versus actually selling and delivering. And then it also tells you what your capital investment is holistically in deals that don't close, which is really important, right? And that allows you to, you and revenue leaders to go and make decisions around, okay, when do you actually get to the contracting stage? It's not like someone's like, oh, cool, I want a demo. Boom, you send them a contract, right? Just like you don't immediately send someone to a demo stage, you qualify the lead and so on and so forth. And so that can provide actionable data that revenue can then use to help with their team. There's a lot of context that you really need to be familiar with within your organization to make the data that you're able to track useful. So in terms of thinking about efficiency, and not just efficiency, but let's say performance, there's certain data that you want to collect and present, but internally within that legal team, right? It's sort of a different conversation. And maybe you are looking more specifically at like, hey, I have, you know, a junior level attorney and like they're spending all their time on certain tasks. How can we unlock their potential, both their time and their expertise? And this is where a lot of the software tools come in, right? There's a lot of legal tech shows up here. What are some of the big pain points that you find that you want to solve with technology? And by all means, speak to any of the types of technologies or any of the tech stack that you have employed uh, successfully. Yeah, absolutely. I think the biggest thing, and this is something for Linksquare is that's core to core to the way that we approach building and providing products to our customers is that we are a lot less focused on helping lawyers do legal work, like automating legal work. Lawyers are generally pretty good at doing stuff that lawyers should be doing. Yeah, believe it or not, lawyers are generally not the best at other things, managing projects right? Maintaining organization, right? So what we try to do is automate those things that anybody can do so that lawyers can spend time doing what lawyers do, right? And there's kind of a curve in scale 
that whether it's scale of work that the team needs to perform or scale of, of the team itself in terms of number of people where like maybe if you have only one attorney introducing some technology it's not going to be largely helpful but three attorneys it's maybe it starts to become more helpful five attorneys becomes more helpful for sure and you 5x your contract volume or the volume of whatever your legal issues may be. Maybe you're a really IP heavy shop and you've got a lot of IP inquiries coming in. Something like that can really see some major advantages when you have a combination of a lot of people and a lot of work to do. It's worth a little bit of pain and process transformation within your team and the way that your team works because that is actually how you will gain those efficiencies, right? Like that's why the software becomes most effective. Can you talk about the process part of it as well? Both the necessity of it within the context of the technology, but then also, you know, how that scales with the size of a team. You know, a one-person team processes whatever it is. The five-person team is perhaps completely different and, and on and on from there. Yeah, so obviously there are a ton of different ways to set up your process from depending on your business, depending on your, your legal team and the type of work that you're doing. But I think what's essential, particularly if you are using technology, is that you have to move your process to make that technology effective, right? Similar to how we were discussing the sales force, Salesforce is only as, as helpful to orgs as the quality of the data is that's in it. But as soon as you have high quality data, that actually becomes incredibly impactful. And it's the same thing with legal. And so the process is for contracts, for example, every single contract needs to go through your contract lifecycle management system. And it's not enough for you to just get to signature. After you get to signature, I need you to verify these five things, these six things. This was something that I did with my team at DraftKings. We actually didn't have a pre-signature tool for a while. And we only used post-signature, but there were things that we had to do. Like, for example, could we use this particular sports team's logo in connection with a paid call to action on a fantasy sports contest on social media? And what were the geographic limitations, right? Like, I can't put out a tweet in, that's geotargeted at Boston that has the Detroit Tigers logo all over it, right? It, like, it's a problem. And so like there are just different things that we would have to take out and track from our contracts in addition to your standard things that that were automatically extracted, just sort of typical terms, termination provisions, breach all that sort of stuff. And so I told my team, it was like that contract, yeah, it's signed, congratulations, but it's not done for you until it's in our system. And these things are tracked because it's going to be somebody else who's out there on a Saturday afternoon getting hammered from somebody in marketing. It's like, we got to run this campaign. We got a market that just opened up, just got approved for a UFC fight tonight. I need to be able to use these logos. Do I have the green light? Yes or no. And you got to be able to do it right there. You don't have time to go and VPN in to a shared drive. Like you miss it. And it is millions of dollars in a market lost, right? And so you've got to actually embrace the system and you have to, as a legal leader, mandate its use the same way a revenue leader would mandate the sales force use. And so I think two aspects of process though, and this applies not just to legal, I think this applies particularly to, to operations as well. It's like 
you have to have a very firm understanding of your level of influence throughout to change process throughout your organization, right? If you're in a leader in operations and you're able to get your marketing team to change its process and you're able to use influence to get your sales team or your product team or whomever to change their process, good, that's awesome. You're a really powerful person, then congratulations. But a lot of times leaders are not are not like that. In particular, legal leaders don't have that level of influence to more or less inconvenience everybody around them so that life is slightly more convenient for the legal team. So you then think about, all right, if I can't influence process throughout the organization, what is my process internally, right? And how do I accept a minimum level of chaos in terms of intake? And how do I start to take steps to show the rest of the organization, hey, if you do this just a little bit differently or check out this cool thing that we do, learn a little bit more about our process, the organization will say, oh, that's neat. I now have increased visibility into what you all are doing for my projects. That's great. I will do this. So you can kind of like start to spider web out a little bit by showing the, the benefits to the actual like boots on the ground stakeholders. And that's how you can start to influence process. Right. We'll wind it down with our two uh, boilerplate questions. The first one is, what is the best advice that you've received in your career? Oh, gosh. Probably to stop being such a lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) That seems difficult given the job. Yeah, yeah. The principle behind it was, if you really want to be successful as an in-house attorney, like focus on being a literate business person first. Your, Your legal skills will be there. If you're in the door, you have a minimum level of competency, like you'll be okay. Where a lot of legal leaders fall is that they're not able to adapt to the business. They're not able to understand how to operate within the business, not able to understand the product as well as they should. And ultimately, they're not able to make any recommendations outside of their legal expertise, right? And so when you become more of a business person, it provides you license to actually take a position which is really what the executives expect lawyers to be able to do. It's like, don't just tell me the law and let me be more confused. Tell me what you think. Where do you want to go? What would you do if the call were yours right now, knowing all of these things? You can't actually answer that question with any level of credibility unless you've already established a certain level of business literacy and acumen and familiarity with the initiatives of the company. So being able to be a business person first is really, really important. That makes a ton of sense, especially in that in that context. Um, and so finally, is there anything you want to promote or share about yourself or Link Squares? And if people want to contact you, what would be the best way to do that? Yeah, absolutely. So contact me, hit me on LinkedIn, which is pretty easy. And if you want to email me, you can, although sometimes email gets a little bit challenging. It's just tim at linksquares.com. And also I do a pilot themed podcast where I have different legal and business professionals come in and we have conversations to talk about, you know, a lot of the same things that you and I talked about today. It's called Cockpit Council. You can check that out. But as far as promotion of Linksquares, you know, Linksquares, what we're providing is a full suite technology to help you manage your legal department. We obviously have a really strong background in CLM, but what we really are and the main focus of our organization going forward is really being that one-stop software solution for the modern general counsel, the general counsel that understands data is key. The general counsel who wants to make sure and is willing to change process within their organization to get to this end state 
the general counsel who wants that end state because the general counsel understands that that end state is going to be the best thing for the career and the best thing for the business. Yeah, check us out. Sounds great. Tim Perilla, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your insights and expertise. Thanks, Seth. Really appreciate the time. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Modern Business Operations. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at tonkeen.com slash mbopod. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes. And if you're interested in staying up to date on all things business operations, join the Tonkin community at tonkin.com community.